Come home for Christmas because there's no place like home for the holidays, right? As uh, I believe it was a great theologian, Perry Como, uh, who first sang, Oh, there's no place like home for the holidays because no matter how far away you roam, when you pine for the sunshine of a friendly face, for the holidays, you can't beat home sweet home. How many of you are home for Christmas in the geographical sense? How many? Let me see your hands there. Uh, I'm, I'm noticing a parent or two uh, sideways glancing at their adult children, and, and uh, conversely, their adult children sideways glancing at their parents to see, see if their hands are, are raised. Uh, if they consider you being at home, being with them. Because, you know, with, when you're with family, you're home, right? Home ultimately is not a matter of geographic coordinates, although, you know, most of the time we think of it that way for obvious reasons. But in a larger, far more important sense, home is wherever your family is, right? We all get that. When you're with family, <clears throat> you're home, for better or for worse. You know, I, I, uh, uh, I know that there are um, you know, home is not a happy place for everyone. There are, there are probably some among us who are like, come home for Christmas. Uh, no, thank you. <laughs> I'm trying to keep as far away from home as I possibly can these days. But here's what virtually every one of us know. Home should be a place where you want to be, a place of warmth and security, a place of love and, and happiness. Uh, a home should be a place where you know you belong. And, and when home is not that place, well, well, that's sad, but you know it's not the way it's supposed to be. Home is supposed to be a place of warmth, security, love, happiness, and belonging. You know, it's interesting that we all kind of know this intuitively, don't we? Like there's a built-in hardwired longing in each and every one of us for that kind of home, that, that kind of belonging, that kind of love, security, and happiness. It's what everybody is longing for. We, we know how it's supposed to be, and when it's not like that, we all know it shouldn't be that way, and, and we might even, you know, look for who's to blame and, and sometimes try to figure out how to fix it. But often what we find is that even when home does provide those things, you know, love, security, belonging, we, we find ourselves looking for something else. Often we try to satisfy those innate longings in ways we weren't meant to satisfy them. Weren't the way, you know, we weren't supposed to try to satisfy them that way. Countless homes are destroyed every single year because someone goes looking for love outside the home, pursuing happiness, security, belonging, but doing so selfishly, doing, doing so on their own terms and, and for their own personal fulfillment. In, in fact, in fact, this is actually the story of every single one of us. Let me explain. Jesus told a story one day about a son who lived on a ranch which is with his father and his brother. It's a familiar story. You can find it in Luke's written account of the life and teachings of Jesus. 
uh, which is it's part of the, the, the New Testament of the Bible. One day, the son asks his father for his share of the estate. Essentially, he's asking for his inheritance even though his father is still living. In, in telling the story, Jesus doesn't elaborate on the reasons the son is wanting to, his share of the estate prematurely. It just becomes clear that the father in this story represents God. So you can reasonably assume that this, this was pretty much a perfect home with a perfect father, but a home with a couple of imperfect sons who perhaps didn't know and didn't appreciate what they had. So the son asks for his share of the estate because, well, maybe he was tired of all the rules. Maybe he was tired of having to do chores. I don't know. You know, the responsibility, he certainly had responsibility, you know, to carry as a son living on a huge estate with his father. We find out later that there are hired servants on this estate, so his duties and responsibilities couldn't have been nearly as oppressive and unpleasant as he wound up making them out to be. He probably just wanted to be his own man, to, to, to chart his own path, to do things his way for a change, and not to have to answer to anybody. He just wanted the freedom that he was convinced he was missing. So the father, being a loving father and not wanting to force his son into anything, he reluctantly divides his estate, and just a short time later, the son packs up all his belongings and leaves home. He runs away from home. This is a story that Jesus told, and it's the story of every single one of us. We, we've all said to God, I think I want to go it alone. I, I don't really want to live under your rules anymore. I, I want to see what it would be like to make my own rules and do things my way. See, we've all said to God, I can manage on my own. I have, you have, we all have. And God has allowed us to do that. The son takes his inheritance and he travels to a distant country where he spends his inheritance on, on just whatever he pleases. Again, Jesus doesn't elaborate except to say that he spent it on wild, on wild living. He was footloose and fancy free. But as such stories typically go, he eventually discovers he has nothing left. Broke and homeless and far from home, he winds up getting a low-paying, dead-end job feeding pigs who he suddenly realizes are eating better than he is. Then Jesus says this in, in this story. I'm going to put this part of the story up on the screen for you. Follow along. Jesus says, when he finally came to his senses, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father. Some of us may have forgotten. You have a loving, gracious, kind, and compassionate father in God, a forgiving father. One of Jesus' main points in telling this story is to drive home to you that God wants you to relate to him as a child relates to his father. He wants you to know him as father. That's a pretty close and intimate kind of relationship, you know, relationship between a father and a son or, or between a father and a daughter. I mean, and he is, he is the perfect father 
He, he is not like the earthly father you may have had. He is the perfect father. Does he have rules? Yep, he does. Will you have to do stuff like, you know, chores? Yeah, but his rules and his responsibilities for you are tailor-made just for you, and you are tailor-made just for them so that you will find joy and fulfillment in them. Once you, once you let go of the fantasy or the delusion of how much better things would be if only you made the rules and had your way. So the son says, I will go home to my father, to the, to the one who brought me into this world, to the one who gave me everything I have, to the one who wouldn't force me to stay in his home. But he freely gave me what was rightfully his just for the asking and let me leave home with it even though it broke his heart and put a huge distance between me and him. He came to his senses and he said, I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you and I'm no longer worthy of be, being called your son. This is the realization that we all must come to. The Apostle Paul, familiar passage in his letter to the Christians living in Rome in the first century, says, all have turned away from God. All have turned away from God. They have all gone wrong. No one does what is right. Not even one. We all have run away from home. I have, you have. In another place, the Apostle Paul says, everyone has sinned and is far away from God's saving presence. The son in the story realizes his desperate condition and he decides he's going to go home to his father and he prepares a speech in his mind. Father, I have sinned against you. I sinned both against heaven and you and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as your hired hand, as your hired servant. He's thinking, maybe, maybe I can work out with my father some kind of transactional arrangement where I can earn my keep or, you know, work for room and board like, like one of the hired hands. Maybe if I, I convince him that I'm willing to keep the rules this time and do the work and do the chores, maybe he'll let me come back home. But as we'll see, the father is far more concerned about his relationship with his son than he is about the rules and the chores. He, here's what happens. So he returned home to his father. He starts his long journey back, back to the home where he belongs. But then something very unexpected happens. Jesus adds this important detail to this story. But while he was still a long ways off, his father saw him coming. And Jesus is painting a picture here of a father waiting every day, spending many hours a day looking toward the road on the horizon in hopes that one day he will see his son walking up that road toward home. And one day, he does. Jesus says, the father filled with, the father filled with what? With, with anger and disgust, 
with, with resentment, with an aim to severely punish him? No. Filled with love and compassion, the father ran to his son and embraced him and kissed him. And then Jesus describes how the father wraps his son with the, with the, the robe that only sons and daughters wore, the robe reserved for family, the robe the son had left behind. He wraps around him the robe the son was so sure he wouldn't want or need anymore. The fa father wraps that robe around his son and he puts the family ring on his son's finger and he calls for celebration. Here's my question for you today. What is keeping you from coming home to your heavenly father this Christmas? Your, your heavenly father has been scanning the horizon for you, looking for you, longing for you to come home. In fact, Christmas, you're saying, what does this story have to do with Christmas? Well, let me tell you. Christmas is the celebration of the glorious reality that, that God the Father sent his son Jesus into the world, into this faraway country to look for you and to bring you home. But he won't force you. You know what's interesting? Again, people have this hardwired sense that there is more true life than just this life. They, they suspect that life in this world has purpose and meaning, and, and it's commonplace to hear people use such language. They even talk about being spiritual. They're, this is hardwired uh, th there's this hardwired awareness in us that, that there is a way that things are supposed to be but a realization that they, they aren't the way they're supposed to be. Even people who don't believe in God. They talk about the interconnectedness of all things and, and, and are not at all surprised by it. And yet they just aren't ready to acknowledge God or to come home to Him. Perhaps it's because they're not yet finished exploring the freedom they think they're missing out on. Uh, they're, they're, they're not done being their own person and doing things their own way. We all recognize moral rules and laws, which, which if you think about it, if there is no God, it wouldn't really make you know, sense. Uh, you know, if, if we're just a product of random particles crashing into one another, accidentally creating this thing we call life and consciousness, then why would we have a sense that there is a way things are supposed to be and that life should have purpose and meaning? And yet everyone makes claims on morality and justice and meaning and purpose. We're just not so sure where all that came from. And we tend to deny what it points to. But deep down inside, people that are struggling in that way, they, they know and are thinking to themselves. Deep down inside, they're thinking, this is not really working for me. There's something missing. There's something wrong. There's an emptiness and a futility that they can't escape. Some, some say they can't believe in God because of things like, you know, the virgin birth. Everybody knows that things like that don't happen, that they can't happen. They defy natural laws, so they think. But the same person will have no problem believing in the virgin birth of a cosmos, right? Believing that nothing created everything that non-life produced life, that randomness produced fine-tuning, that chaos produced information, unconsciousness produced consciousness, non-reason produced reason, non-purpose produced purpose, 
Why is it so difficult to believe that there is a God who created the cosmos and created the very laws of physics and should therefore be above them and not subject to them or bound by them? And everywhere you go, it seems you, if you ever get a chance to have a conversation, you get to get close enough to somebody where you can really have an honest, heart-to-heart, transparent discussion about what's really going on inside of them, you will hear them say some variation of this. I just wish there was someone who loved me just the way I am, who, who understood me and didn't criticize me or judge me when I make mistakes, but also saw the potential in me and challenged me to be the very best I could and, and wouldn't be happy with me throwing my life away. I, I guess what I'm saying is I wish there was someone who would help me become the best I could be but doesn't judge me or condemn me when I fail or when I fall short. Isn't that what the kind of relationship everybody is looking for? Isn't that how we all wished our parents loved us? Could it be that that is exactly the dynamic, the dynamic that is found in a relationship with God, your heavenly Father? Could it be that the thing you most desperately long for, that you most deeply crave, the thing that you thirst for more than anything else is in fact found in a relationship with God, your heavenly Father? So I ask again, what is keeping you from coming home to him this Christmas. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that you are a loving and gracious Heavenly Father and that you want us to relate to you as a son or daughter relates to their father. And you long for us to come home to you. Thank you for sending your son into the world Jesus, born in humility, born to bear our grief and carry our sorrows, the one who would be called Emmanuel, Emmanuel, God with us, not against us, not not opposed to us, but God with us. Thank you for sending him into our world of sin and sorrow to bring us home to yourself. I pray that many would come home to you this Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen.